0: To the program good to have you, Bill Michael. Show continuing on. The rest of the NFL um, got a lot going on. As this is a big weekend in, in the NFL, as you've got a position for postseason happening, some teams winning you're in type of situation. Uh, Bringing now our guy Mark Schofield, SB Nation, joining us uh, over on the hotline. Mark, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Bill. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. Um, now, we don't know, as uh, just to, for the scheduling issues, we talked about this in the first hour of the program, the game between Cincinnati and Buffalo, they have not made a decision on. Um, and obviously that has some seeding and playoff ramifications. They're trying to be as sensitive as they can to both sides, to the fan bases, to all teams involved. What do you think happens?
1: I honestly don't know right now. I mean, I've seen some proposals floated around social media in the past, you know, couple of hours that maybe they push that game after the end of the season, right? So you have the week 18 games. Then you have sort of a week 19 where it's just that game. And then since you have this year, the Super Bowl bye week, you do have a week to play with if you want to push things back a little bit. So you could do it that way. I've also seen a wilder proposal where you sort of do that, but you also start the NFC playoffs that same week. So we would have week 18. We'd have this week 19 with – that Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game plus NFC playoffs. And then that would decide, because like you said, there are seeded and divisional title ramifications with that Bills-Bengals game. So then you would have that game with the NFC playoffs, and then the next week you'd have AFC wildcard playoffs and a bye. So, I mean, these are all sort of proposals that are floating out there. I, I think what the league probably does is they have Week 18 and they push it back Maybe they have a Week 19, and some of the playoff games start that week, whether it's NFC only or NFC, AFC, I don't know. But but they have to, I think, get that game played. I mean, there's also a, a, an opportunity or a scenario where they call it a no contest and just use sort of win percentage to decide the divisional ramifications and to see the ramifications from those games. Um, but they, they've got to figure this out, obviously, because the clock is ticking. We're now here on Wednesday. You know, We've got games set to start Saturday. The league has to... Sort of decide sooner rather than later what's
0: going to happen. So uh, I'm I'm looking at all of this, and uh, we obviously know that if the Kansas City Chiefs get a win, they're the top dog. Then what do you think is the is the the emphasis for that Cincinnati Chiefs or Cincinnati Buffalo game? Is it just for who comes in at number two? You know, at that point, because we all know everybody's going to be playing that following weekend anyway. So do you just wait and see what pans out this week and then make a decision?
1: I mean, I think you can do it that way. I mean, I you know, we've also got, you know, if the Bengals had won that game Monday night, they win the AFC North. You know, cause that's sort of yet to be decided. Now, maybe what they could say is, you know, the Bengals just need one win or a Ravens loss. And so maybe, you know, since those two teams play each other, they can see if the division gets decided that way. And if the Bengals win, then they could say, all right, well, you know the Bengals have won the North. Now what becomes interested is if suddenly the Bengals lose this game to the Ravens this weekend, then the Ravens could win the division if you get a loss for the Bengals against the Bills. And so there's that aspect to it too. You know it's, it's you know the top overall seed because Cincinnati, Kansas City, Buffalo all have a shot at getting the top overall seed, but it's also that AFC North aspect too.
0: I, uh, I in the NFC we obviously you've got the Eagles. This weekend making a determination whether or not Jalen Hurts is going to play. They need to get that top spot. You've got uh, whether or not they're going to sit or play all their guys. Dallas, you kind of get a sense that they're going to play all their guys. I mean, there is the possibility if they move this thing back that everybody's going to get an extra week to prepare. So uh, if I'm a head coach right now making a decision as to who to play this weekend, I'm playing everybody, right?
1: Yeah, I think you play everybody. I mean, you know, if – there's going to be – if things are going to get pushed back and you know you're playing a wild card weekend, like, you know, for example, the New York Giants, they know they're locked into the 6 seed. They're playing a wild card weekend no matter what. You know, if, if you've now got potentially a week to play with, you play your guys. I, I think Brian Dable and some reports out of the Giants uh, complex today basically said, look, they're playing their guys. You know, so if you've got the potential of an extra week to play with – play your players um for teams like the dallas cowboys you know there's still an outside shot that they could win the east there's an outside shot that they could get the top overall seat so you've got something to play for you know when the nfl decided to you know move towards these you know sort of divisional and you know conference games at the end of the schedule this is kind of what they had in mind when they made that decision to give teams something to play for whether it's division titles like the bengal's Uh, Raven um, Bengals um, Ravens game that we were just talking about and some of these other divisional games that we're seeing this weekend and so you know if you're an NFL head coach you probably either got something to play for or you might have that potential of an extra week to rest players so I think you're going to like you said play your guys this weekend
0: uh, I look at some of these teams that are still fighting for position, and uh, let's let's talk about some of the teams hotter going into the postseason right now. Jacksonville fighting for that spot against Tennessee. Give me your thoughts on, on both of those teams. It seems to me like Jacksonville. I always say at the end of the season, you got to be good, you got to be healthy, you got to be you know hot and lucky. Seems like Jacksonville has all that going on right now.
1: Absolutely, Bill. Absolutely, they look like the hotter team. You know, they know what they have on offense. You know, we had to see. You know, and it was announced a couple days ago that the Tennessee Titans are going to start Josh Dobbs at the quarterback position this weekend. And so you look at what, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars have done down the stretch and the way that they've played, the way that that offense has sort of come together, the way that Trevor Lawrence is looking like the quarterback that we thought he was coming out of Clemson. And the other side of the ball, you're seeing a team in Tennessee that, you know, they're down to their basically third-string quarterback. You know, they're giving him a start in a must-win game on the road everything seems to line up favorably for Jacksonville in this game. And what's interesting is the Jags can theoretically get in, even if they lose, you know, there's a scenario where Pittsburgh, New England, Miami, if they all lose, even if Jacksonville loses, they'd get in all teams would be sitting at eight and nine, but they'd get in on the tiebreaker for the best record in the AFC. Jacksonville's played really well down the stretch. Doug Peterson deserves a ton of credit for what he's done with Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence looks fantastic. That team looks great. And I really expect Jacksonville to win and win that division on Saturday night.
0: Uh, I really like, obviously, Buffalo. I like uh, Cincinnati, both of those teams going into the season, Cincinnati being the defending AFC champion. Buffalo, my pick. To win at all, but you can't ignore quietly, and I shouldn't say quietly, with 13 wins, but Kansas City has just picked up where they left off. They just do their thing. They didn't miss a beat after losing Tariq Hill. Their defense wasn't great in the beginning of the season, but they're playing much, much better now. What has been the turnaround that has kept Kansas City so incredibly steady?
1: Well, I mean, I think a lot of it still starts with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, when you see him, and I know he had some mistakes, interceptions past couple of weeks, but He is, you know, we grade him on a different level because there are things that he still does that wow us, of course. But then there are some of the little things that he does, pocket movement, moving defenders with his eyes. He's so effective. And the big question going in, like you mentioned, the loss of Hill to Miami, how are they going to generate explosive plays? He can generate them. You know, he can create space in the pocket. He can create office structure outside the pocket the relationship between him and Travis Kelsey they are always on the same page there was a play in that game against Denver where you know Denver drops eight into coverage Mahomes is trying to find somebody that's open and the second he starts to move in the pocket you can see from the end zone angle of it Kelsey just mirror him and break you know it's like they're of the same mind on these plays and that's always impressive to watch like you said you know the defense you know they've gotten better over the second half of the season But it starts with Patrick Mahomes and his ability to create explosive plays, his ability to be patient at times this year. That was a huge question mark coming into the season after how that AFC championship game ended and those drop eight coverages where he seemed to force throws at times. He's been patient. He's generated explosive plays, and he gives them a chance to win every single game. I
0: wanted to ask you, is uh, right now Baltimore suffering from not signing uh, Lamar Jackson at the beginning of the season. And I, there, there's two sides to this. And I, I know players say, well, you know, you made your bed, you know, Baltimore lying it because he doesn't want to hurt himself. Otherwise you'll use the knee against him. But then again, I, I you know, look at what Denver did and they gave, you know, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, all the money and now they regret it to death. So I, I don't fault anybody here, but are they paying the price for not signing Lamar Jackson at the beginning of the season for him not playing?
1: I mean, there might be something to that, you know, because, but the other thing to consider is the way that Lamar plays the position, you know, the way he relies on his right legs, relies on his athleticism, in a similar way, create outside the pocket, create off structure. You know, he's somebody that needs to be close to 100% to be at his best that's not really unique to Lamar, but it's certainly the way they have structured that offense. So much of it begins with what he does and how creative he is. And the run game elements that you have because of Lamar Jackson, you know, they use him in the run game. And so I think that they're in a situation where, you know, they want to be sure that he's going to be as effective as he can be. They don't want to rush him back, you know, in terms of, will he sort of play played a bit, you know, because of the contract situation. I don't think so. I think it's a scenario, you know, having seen Lamar over the years and studied him over the years and, you know, seen him back in college, like he's a competitive guy. He wants to be out there. And so I'm sure as soon as he's cleared and close to being able to get back on the field, he's going to want to be out there.
0: Uh, then I want to go over to the NFC real quick. We're talking with Mark Schofield of SB Nation. Uh, we talked a little bit about Philadelphia. Is the most dangerous team in the NFC, though, San Francisco? I, I Brock Purdy, obviously, has has given them a spark and energy, what have you. But with that defense and the fact that they have an energized offense, I, they're hoping to get Debo Samuel back by the time the postseason starts. Is that the most dangerous team in the NFC right now? I
1: think, I think it's trending that way, Bill. I mean, you look at... You know what they've done past couple of weeks with Brock Purdy. What that defense is, like you said, perhaps the best, if not one of the top three best defenses in the league. And you know the idea that they're going to get Debo back for a playoff run. They look to be like on the like the team that's on the NFC side that is playing the best. You know, Las Vegas, Jared Spidham, Josh McDaniel. They did some things. Schematically, they cause some breakdowns in coverage. They did a lot with motion and eye candy. And so I'm sure going into the playoffs, some teams will try to borrow those concepts to use against the 49ers. But when you take a step back and look at the rest of the NFC, like we've talked about basically off season long, you know, Philadelphia has questions now because of Hurts and how they've looked recently. Dallas has had some ups and downs. Minnesota has certainly had some ups and downs. I mean, there's a case to be made that after the 49ers, maybe the Packers might be the you know the team that's playing the best right now with the way that they've ended their season but i think overall yeah the san francisco 49ers right now in this moment look like the most look like the best team in the nfc
0: it looks like as of right now anyway like the packers could if they win they could end up going to san francisco which has been kind of their nemesis and bugaboo in the postseason for the last you know four or five six years uh what would make us think that the packers with what limited offense, and I say that in the sense that they don't have a prolific passing game, with the limited offense they have and San Francisco's ability to stuff the run, what would make us think that this Packers team could beat San Francisco at Levi Stadium?
1: I mean, I think when you see what the defense has done in recent weeks, and, you know, this was sort of going into the year, one of the sort of pro-Green Bay arguments. I remember making this case back in August with you that, look, you know, maybe it takes some time for this offense to gel and Rodgers to gel with the new receivers, but that defense is going to be very good. That defense is going to give them some short fields. And now you look at the way this defense has played in recent weeks, the way they were able to sort of, you know, almost eliminate Justin Jefferson this past weekend, and now you're going up against a rookie quarterback, making his first playoff start, you know, seventh-round pick. There will be opportunities to create plays on the defensive side of the ball that, yes, if you don't have the prolific passing game you've seen from Green Bay in years past, and you know San Francisco is certainly good at stopping a run game, which in recent weeks has really come together since the bye, but if you've got some short fields to play with, if you've got you know some starting field position that's near the fifty on a number of your drives, that's going to put you in a position to win that game. And so, you know, that's what I look at at a potential Green Bay San Francisco matchup. The way this defense has played in recent weeks, that might be sort of the equalizer in that matchup. Create some turnovers or some mistakes from Brock Purdy. Give Aaron Rodgers some short fields. That's a witted recipe.
0: Mark, great stuff as always, pal. I appreciate it. And we'll talk again next week as we get all of this worked out with uh, this extra game and whether or not uh, the postseason's all settled or not by then. So we'll chat at that point in time. Okay,
1: appreciate it, bud. Thanks so much, Bill. Have a great week.
0: Absolutely. There you go. That's our buddy Mark Schofield from SB Nation joining us for a couple of minutes uh, on the hotline. It's, it's yeah, until you know what and again, uh, the likelihood is that um, you know, as long as you take money out of the equation, the likelihood is they'll just go by winning percentage and such, and that's the way they'll they'll seat out the AFC. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, and you hate to think that money's going to play into it, but money plays into everything, unfortunately. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Um, I want to get into the whole Skip Bayless thing when we come back because Skip's a guy that we love to hate on. And I wrote something yesterday, and it is, people are reading it a certain way, and it's not. And I I wanted to talk about it. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio
1: Network.
0: to have you on board today the bill michaels show on the air don't forget coming up tonight we're going to be down in the deer district tonight the mecca sports bar and grill six to eight tonight we are brought to you by our friends at bud light six to eight this evening going to be on site come on down at the bill michaels huddle and it uh, a lot of a lot of good discussion coming up tonight so i'm looking forward to it but uh, gonna be back our final time this year down at the uh, deer district as well so come on by over at the uh, Mecca Sports Bar and Grill six to eight tonight. We're going to be there. Uh, I'll be sitting upstairs in the loft, but you can still come down and uh, listen to the program, uh, enjoy some food, beverages, big screen. I'm sure the Bucks are going to be on. I think the Bucks are playing early tonight, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, come on down. And I think the Bucks are on the road though. Bucks are on the road tonight, aren't they, Ben? Correct me if I'm. Uh, Let me check. If I'm out of line here. I think they're in Toronto. They are. Yeah, six thirty tonight in Toronto. There you go. Okay, uh, we were talking before. Now, real quick, Ben. Uh, explain for those just tuning in. Explain it again. What you, what what your thought is. What your 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 question, so so to speak, is. So the Packers will face a different physical test, I think, on Sunday against a great Lions line and a run-heavy team. The Vikings matchup they dominated front-wise, but it was largely because of all of the injuries and even in-game injuries the Lions faced. the The thought is, is that a is that a bad Packers front or an average Packers front that was graced with good matchups and played well in the last month? Or is it actually a a quite good front that has gotten better and now has proven that maybe the start of the year was an anomaly? Okay, so I'll take it a step further in this discussion, and I will say, look, if you believe that this team is now a good front, that they have bought in, that they are now executing, running basically, what the defense is supposed to be because everybody is now bought in and they're on the same page, then wouldn't you have to say that what we saw last year out of this defense when everybody was seemingly on the same page, the Joe Barry defense, it's a good scheme. If everybody buys in and does their job and what we've witnessed, it's a good scheme and that then you have to give credit to Joe Barry and that this was more on the players than it was on the coaches? Would you have to say that? Would you have to give Joe Barry credit? Now, two things at play here, and this is my opinion. One is I cannot forget about second and second and long, third and long, and watching guys play 15 yards downfield when the opponent needs 12 yards for a first down. I that is to me unfathomable and unforgivable. It, it is it is horrific play calling. So that's one. Two, I gotta wait and see the remainder of the season. Because tackling is a thing. That's that's players on the field doing what they do. That's more on the players than it is on the coaches. But if players don't believe in you, you don't have the ability to teach, you don't have the ability to get through to guys, to break it down, to get them energized about what it is you're doing. That's part of being a leader as a coach. Right place, right time, pep in the step, all of that. If you can't get them to do that, then that's more on coaching than it is on, it is on anything else. You can have one petulant player, and it can kind of screw everything up, but it's the, the remainder of the, the other 10 got to get you in line. Along with the coaching staff, or just sit you, which could be the reason Darnell Savage sat, because he just wasn't a part of it. He didn't believe in it, or whatever. But I've got to let the rest of this season play out before I say Joe Barry. Yeah, uh, it wasn't you; it was the players. You know, because most of the time it is the players. But I, there's just certain things about this defense and about this coordinator I can't unsee. So I, I've got to wait. Now the question is. Is this a really good football team and everything we expected it to be, defensively speaking, coming into the season that are now playing together and playing at their peak? Or uh, is what we've witnessed over the last few weeks just kind of a a fluke? The product of terrible opponents, for lack of a better term. Terrible lines. Yeah. Bad offensive lines and just... You know, kind of – Well, and, and you can even maybe take it a, a step further and say maybe they're playing a little bit above their heads. Can you say that? 877-867-1670, 877 1670 That's the question. Let's go to Sean listening to us in Nina. Sean, how you doing today, man? What's going on?
2: Hey, good morning, Bill. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Love the show, man. Appreciate uh, it. A good question as far as Joe Barry, You know, like you, I um, wasn't really – Sold on his scheme, and to the point: are, are the Packers for real? I think they're playing some really good ball, and I think it's the players are buying into it. My concern is the buying in. As professional athletes, why or how are you not buying in sooner than later with, you know, with the season? Um, you know, and it kind of goes back to uh, some of the players making some between-line the comments earlier this year. I think, as far as like, you know, not maybe. To me, is it, is, it, is it a coaching thing? Is it, you're the coach, defensive coordinator. Can you right. not step up to make these guys, you know, make them? But, you know, as a leader, as a coach, how do you motivate them to buy into your system? Now, what, what, what's made that happen now? I don't know, but it's good to see. Um, going into Detroit, I think it's going to be a really good test if the Packers continue to play as they are, I think. I think defensively, I think what I'm seeing is something I'm buying into watching the team. My concern on the other side of the ball is what's the offense going to do? Um, if they can get hot, then the Packers can strike. Um, my thing is, what can the offense do? Again, not getting off the defensive conversation, but I think the defense is for real. I think they're buying into what you know Joe is selling. But you know, as a coach, he has to continue to coach. I was all for having him, you know, him the exit. But what I'm seeing now, I'd say, you know, I'll reserve my judgment. Um, but my concern for this game, and then if the Packers knock and what can make the postseason is. This offense has gotta start igniting. I mean they're they're getting by, they're playing all right. Special teams is hot, we know with Nixon. Defense is playing great. If we can get all three facets clicking, then I think they could be dangerous um to any team they go into. So thanks for taking my call.
0: All right, bud, appreciate it. Um Obviously, if the defense continues to get, uh, you know, turnovers like this, um, it's going to make things drastically easier for the offense. The, and remember, you know, I, I saw the statistic today when you look at the Packers, uh, you know, running the ball 33 times versus throwing in only 24 times in this last game, if I remember correctly. Uh, part of that was because they had two scores, one from the defense and one from special teams. So and you were up. And you were you were dominating, and so yeah, you go to the run. I think the game itself dictates what it is you're going to do. I mean, this has always been, and and I think will continue to be, a more pass-oriented offense. I, it just is. But to get both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon lathered up, and Aaron Jones, let me let me say this, he had I, I think was. Um, Four, 14 carries, fifteen carries. And he had over 110 yards, like 111, 12, something like that. And he was going, and f- inexplicably, he didn't ask to come out. He wasn't like tapping his shoulder saying, "Hey, give me a, give me a breather," or anything. Um, he didn't ask to come out. They pulled him out and then put AJ Dillon in, and then the, the the offense stalled. And when they pulled him out, it wasn't like, "Hey, come out for a," you know. Come out for a play, and then we're going to put you back in, or whatever. The, to me, if anything's going to get better, and I don't know why it would suddenly now versus you know the first seventeen games, but to me, if anything can be better or more rhythmic, it can be the play calling. That that's just my thought, but because Matt Lafleur, for whatever reason, is so intent on running shotgun and so intent on putting the ball back in the hands of Aaron Rodgers. And many want to blame Rodgers for that. I don't necessarily do that because you're the head coach. I mean, if if it's your team, it's your team. So to say what needs to get better offensively, you know, we can talk about running the ball and spreading the ball around and this and that. But to me, two things. One is, you know, Rodgers, take what the defense gives you. And number two is, Matt LaFleur, you got to call a better game. I don't know if it's the loss of Nathaniel Hackett or Luke Getzey or what, but you got to call a better game, period. Your play calling used to be rhythmic. It used to be innovative. It used to be motion and movement and play action at the right time. and, And running out of shotgun with very little movement, you know, emptying the backfield continuously and four and five wide, it just you're not getting it done. It's predictable. On more than one occasion over the last five or six games, I, I've i said, here we go, third and two, look for the shot down the sideline. Sure enough, empty backfield, four or five wide, shot down the sideline. It's just, it, it is what, you know it's coming. So defensively speaking, though, I think the defense has, I, I think the defense, just watching the defense play, it, you can't help but look at this thing and go yeah there's there's a there's a different there's a different energy level there. there's a different camaraderie there. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, I could throw a bunch of adjectives out and you can nod your head, but there's just something different about this defense, and they have gotten a little more aggressive unfortunately, they had to because of the loss of Rashawn Gary and obviously Dean Lowry, so they needed to kind of mix a few things in blitz wise and such. And move guys around to give different looks to quarterbacks, and they've done that, and they've they, they've done that pretty well, and that is part of scheming. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Let's go to our buddy Gerard listening to us in Delaware. Gerard, what's going on, man?
3: Hey, Bill. Uh, I think Ben has a a, a decent point there, and I, look, look, I don't think uh, Barry woke up one morning and turned into Buddy Ryan. You know what I mean? I I, I don't think that happened. My theory is, is that Goody or LaFleur. Now, remember, LaFleur was saying all year when the defense had a problem, we got we to do this, we got to be more aggressive on defense, this and that. I think somebody just read him the riot act and said, if you don't do what we're telling you to do, it's going to be hasta la vista. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the year. That's my theory as far as that goes. Um, and, and I don't think, uh, look, Obviously, Barry has the knowledge to do it, but does he have the personality personality to do it? That's mm-hmm. a lot on defense, you know, right. and um, look, look, if they had Gary and Gary was playing the way he do- he did play, I would say they have a chance the way they're playing. But I think that's a big spot because I think uh, Ben had another good point. The Lions have a really good offensive line, and this is going to be a challenge. And I want to say something about uh, Crosby, and I want to say a, a quick comment about your two buddies there that debate every day or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> look, now think about this. They fi- How long does it take Green Bay to do things? How long did it take them to change the defense? How long did it take them? Now, I remember myself and Eric <clears throat> at the beginning of the year saying, look, you only kicked to the 10-yard line. He's on. So finally, they got a kicker that's going to kick into the end zone. Now, in defense of Crosby, this guy's probably got hurt once or twice in his whole career, and he's been playing since Moses. Right. So so you get a kicker that comes on, there, and the first thing he does is pull a groin. Think about right. that. You, yep. you know, think about how Crosby is so durable, and he's always trying, you know, the whole bit. And the, the thing about You know, Skip and Shannon, look, Shannon Chopp, I told you what he did with Cedric Maxwell that time. I said that in the past Mm -hmm. to you. I remember what he lied about Cedric Maxwell, you know, dealing with racism at Boston. Maxwell, he didn't even realize Maxwell was on that night. And the other, and look, and he just said when you played that back that he's seen his brother Sterling, I assume, laying on the field. I doubt if he ever seen it live like he said he did. I don't even believe that he did. He might have been playing or whatever at that time mm-hmm. when it happened, and, and and you know the other thing is Bill. There's two things. It's called one one thing is called grifting, and the other thing is called stage. And I believe these two guys are pros at doing that. Okay, and that's what they do, and that's the game they play. And this this is uh, you know really I, 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 you know and remember.
0: I believe, let me say this, Gerard, I believe that they stage a lot of stuff, that they go back and forth in certain areas. Appreciate the phone calls, always, uh, cause, and I'm late for a break. I believe that. This case, I don't. This case, I don't. I think Shannon Sharp wanted to say something. He did not agree. He wanted to get his emotions out. He did not agree with what Skip did uh, when he did it, and he wanted to talk about it. And not necessarily that, but he also wanted to deal with the emotions of that day and that, after, that evening, and it, it got off to a really bad start. I don't believe that was staged. I believe Shannon Sharp took a shot at Skip. Skip took offense to it and was not going to allow him to finish his thought. That's just my thought. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. 867 By the way, for Mark who says uh, Gerard's right, uh, Mason Crosby only has two touchbacks. No, he's actually got... Uh, I think it's like 14 or 15, 16 touchbacks this season, if I'm not mistaken. So he he has done it. He, the kickoffs, he rates rather low. As a matter of fact, he rates as one of the lowest uh, kickoff people in the National Football League uh, right there with Tyler Bass from Buffalo. But that being said, he's also one of the highest percentage field goal kickers right now also in the National Football League, just an FYI. 877 867 this portion of the program being brought to you by our friends uh, over there at Nice Ash. I was downtown yesterday, down, stopped at the Nice Ash, had a had a really nice time, great relaxing place, went in, saw my buddy Mick, uh, who was in town, he was flying back out today, going back down to South Carolina, and uh, had a had just a really nice day. A couple of beverages and, uh, and a cigar, and we sat up in the big leather chairs and such, and you can sit up front, you can watch the world go by, do a little work on your whatever, your computer, your phone, your iPad, whatever. Uh, or just uh, sit back on a weekend and enjoy the music and enjoy a lot of the entertainment that they bring in. It's a great place. Uh, TheNiceAsh.com. TheNiceAsh.com. 323 West Main Street, downtown Waukesha. Stop in. Tell them we said hi. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is The Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast.